0: Alright, 2nd Second Timothy, 2nd Timothy, chapter 2. I'm going to do a quick review tonight, just to help us all sort of get up to speed about this great book. And let's be reminded of a couple things. First of all, this was the last letter that Paul wrote before he was executed. So there's something to be said for that. Um, I think Paul knew his time on earth was short. So it is a very sort of emotional, passionate letter. It'd be like you and I thinking, okay, this is the last, last words I'm going to be able to share with somebody before I leave and go out into eternity. So that, that puts some weight on this letter. The, the other thing is that this is an intensely personal letter from Paul to Timothy. And you might say, well, what about 1 Timothy? What about Titus? The one we've already studied and the one we're going to study after 2 Timothy. But those letters were actually more general and, and more theological and more uh, along those lines. This is, is an intensely personal letter from one man to another to encourage him to endure, to persevere, to to hang in there. And I say that because before we even get into the passage tonight, it just reminds me about, again, the power of relationships and how you and I can so positively affect one other person. And so I would just ask you tonight, as we come back into the new year and get back into our study of 2 Timothy, is there somebody in your sphere of influence that you know or maybe that God is laying on your heart or maybe even something that you feel like you need to pray about and that God, through through prayer or through just spending time with God, God would lay somebody on your heart. Some Christian out there that really is just in need of encouragement, in need of a word of of inspiration and motivation and And something that you can do to inspire them to persevere, to endure. Because maybe they're in a situation in life where they've been in this situation for quite a while and it's starting to wear on them. It's starting to wear them down a little bit. And you can sense that. You can maybe even see it. That's what this letter is all about. So that's, that's a way we can apply this letter as well, always, is to remember that the words of Paul to Timothy were simply very personal words of encouragement to this young man to hang in there, to sustain his ministry, to keep on keeping on. And all of us at times need that, that word of encouragement. Um, you know, the book of Proverbs says, Death and life are in the power of, of the tongue. And then, as I've said you know, before, this letter really, if it, if it had to be summarized as far as a... a a topic, it it would be endurance, perseverance, uh, hanging in there, you know. And all of us can use encouragement in that. Maybe even now you're in a situation in life where you've had to deal with something for a long period of time. And you just need to be encouraged to just get back in there and keep on keeping on. We all need that at times, because sometimes the things that come into our life that are short-lived. You know, we can, we can navigate those sometimes, even if they're pretty intense, rather well. It's usually those things that drag out <laughs> over a long period of time where we need really a lot of endurance and perseverance that can tend to wear on us. In fact, I even thought as I was thinking about this message tonight that, you know, in some ways I I feel that way about this whole process of securing land and the whole building and and building, you know, our, our church and stuff. Because this process has taken quite a long time. And sometimes in our life when things, especially that we are anticipating and expecting, are drug out, we can tend to get discouraged. Because it's not happening as quickly or as fast as we would like it to happen. And we need those words of encouragement to keep persevering and keep enduring and just keep doing what you're doing. Because like Paul said, you know, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't give up or faint. Galatians chapter 6. So that's what this letter is all about. And it's very practical, obviously, because again, all of us are in need in some way of endurance or perseverance. And all of us can take the message of 2 Timothy and encourage somebody else with it because there's always people around us that are in need of a message of motivation and inspiration and encouragement to endure and persevere, sometimes in very difficult, trying circumstances. And that's where we were here in this passage. In fact, you'll notice, just again by quick review, back in chapter 1, verse 8, Paul told Timothy, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, a prisoner for His sake, but by God's power, accept your share of suffering for the gospel. Timothy had experienced opposition and resistance and suffering and pain. And he was like, Oh, I'm just... I'm just going to give up. This is too hard. And Paul coming along under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, say, hey, hang in there. Then in chapter 2, verse 3, verse we're going to look at tonight, take your share of suffering. Up in chapter 2, verse 9, I suffer hardship to the point of imprisonment. And then over in chapter 4 verse 5 he tells him once again you however be self-controlled in all things endure hardship hang in there notice Paul doesn't say it's not going to be easy notice Paul doesn't even tell Timothy it's going to get easier Paul just says basically be strong Timothy and endure whatever hardship comes your way and I think, again, it gets back to why it's so important that we learn as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, to deal with reality. No matter how hard reality is, to be able to deal with it, rather than trying to pretend like it's not really there, or or I'm trying to create uh, an illusion or world of my own that you know, takes me away from what is real. I mean, we see this today in our society over and over again where people can't handle reality. They can't. They don't know how to deal with reality. I mean, let's even use this as an example. There are many people in our country that can't handle the election results. You know, no matter how you feel about, you know, they they just can't handle it. I don't know what to do. You see. Well because we have created a society where people try to live in alternate realities and and they don't live in the real world and when reality when life smacks them right in the face they don't know how to deal with it. That's what I love about the Bible. That's what I love about our God. He doesn't he doesn't tell us everything's going to be okay all the time. He tells us, you know, Life's going to be tough. I mean, even Jesus said, you know, in the world you will have trouble and suffering, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So Jesus doesn't ever portray life on earth as being easy. What he does say is, even in the midst of hardship, you can be strong enough in me to be able to overcome and navigate anything that life brings to you. And that's the message from Paul to Timothy. Timothy, I'm not telling you ministry is going to be easy. It's not. It's hard. I'm not telling you if being a follower of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago is going to be easy any more than it's going to be easy today to be a follower of Jesus Christ. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's what Paul says later on in this book. So it's not going to be easy, but we have got to learn to be strong enough in the Lord to be able to take our share of suffering and to endure hardship. So with that said, let's look at the passage tonight that I want to share with you about. It begins, I'm just going to begin in chapter 2, verse 1, but we're going to concentrate tonight on verses 3 through 10, and I'm just going to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 tonight. So you, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and entrust what you heard me say in the presence of many others as witnesses to faithful people who will be "...competent to teach others as well. Take your share of suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one in military service gets entangled in matters of everyday life. Otherwise, he will not please the one who recruited him. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he will not be crowned as the winner unless he competes according to the rules. The farmer who works hard ought to have the first share of the crops." Think about what I am saying, and the Lord will give you understanding of all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, such is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship to the point of imprisonment as a criminal, but God's message is not imprisoned. So I endure all things for the sake of those chosen by God, that they too may obtain salvation in Christ Jesus and its eternal glory. Let's go back to verse 3 of chapter 2. Take your share of suffering. And then, in verses 3, 4, 5, and 6, Paul gives Timothy three examples of endurance. Three examples that he would know very well of perseverance, of those in their occupation, if you will, or business of life, had to be able to persevere and endure. And the first one that Paul chooses is a soldier. He says to Timothy, Timothy, think about soldiers. Soldiers who are obviously engaged, first of all, before they even get to the battlefield, in all that training that they have to go through. Don't they have to endure and persevere through all of that training that they go through in order to understand and know what they need to know so that when they get out there on the battlefield, they'll be able to survive and, and, and face the enemy? And then he says, and then once you go through all that training, if you're engaged in battle, in war, He says, don't you have to have a mindset of perseverance and endurance as a soldier? You have to stay focused. You can't just throw up your hands and just give up. There's got to be a toughness to you. There's got to be a strength. There's got to be a hardness, if you will, to you when you're a soldier. And I love what Paul said to Timothy here too. He also pulls this concept out. He says, And isn't it true, Timothy, that soldiers can't get entangled in civilian life when they're a soldier? I mean, when they're a soldier, it's got to be all about soldiering. It's got to be all about their their military service. They've got to leave their civilian life behind and focus on being a soldier while they're in military service. They can't be double-minded. They can't be distracted. That would be That would be awful for them and awful for those that served around them. And the principle here then that Paul is giving us is you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be soldiers of Jesus Christ as well. And we cannot allow ourselves to get entangled by lesser things than the things that God has called us to. All of us as Christians have to learn to prioritize our lives. There will always be many choices in front of us. And we have to learn to choose and and distinguish between things that are good and things that are the best. Things that, that we need to let go of and leave behind because those things are not going to promote our Christianity. They're not going to be good for us spiritually. You say, well, Jeff, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not in full-time ministry. I, I can't just have my mind always on spiritual things. Yeah, yeah, you can. Because every Christian should approach our life as... It's not, this part of my life is, I'm a Christian and, and I'm, I'm spiritually minded, and this part over here, I'm not a Christian, I'm secular minded. That's disaster. All of us have to approach everything in life with, why am I here? What, what does God want of me here, even in my secular job? How can I be a Christian here? How can I promote Christ here in any way? How can I live in this moment to glorify Christ? And, and I, again, I, I've always got to be careful that I'm not entangling myself with things that are going to diminish my energy and effort for Christ. No matter what it is, just like a soldier. I've got to prioritize. Prioritize. I've got to learn to distinguish those things. And so a key word here is that word entangled. Entangled. Think about... Are there, is there something in my life right now that I'm entangled with that is sapping my spiritual energy? <laughs> that, it, that, is, that is taking away my focus from Christ and the things of Christ. This is what Paul is saying to all of us here, not just to Timothy, and something that he wants all of us to apply to our lives. He says, Timothy, how can a soldier please his commanding or her commanding officer if they don't focus on being a soldier and their military service? See, we as Christians, we need to focus on being a Christian. And we need to focus on being a Christian 24-7. Otherwise, the enemy will get the better of us. Then in verse 5, he uses the example of an athlete. Again, another example that Timothy would have known well in that world. Whether it would be through the Olympic Games or the Ismithian Games. Athletes were, like today, looked up to in that society. And everybody, just like a soldier, knew how many years and months of training and focus these athletes would have to go through in order to be successful. That they couldn't just go out there and say, win a race. They had to go through months and months of training. Maybe even years. So they had to persevere and endure through all of that training, even before they got to the games themselves. And then in the games, they had to endure and persevere through all the trials that they went through. And not everything would always maybe go well. Maybe one day they'd have to deal with the weather, and another day maybe their equipment wouldn't be quite right. And there were always things that athletes have to deal with you see, that that are maybe less than optimum. So there's got to be endurance and perseverance for the athlete that's going to be successful. But then, like with the soldier, Paul also zeroes in on this principle. He says, oh, and by the way, any athlete in any game, if they're going to win, they have to compete according to the rules. Rules that were not made up by them, they can't just go out and say, well, this is the way I want to run the race. I want to run this route. No, the the route or the path has already been determined. The rules of the game have already been determined. I've got to be willing to run according to the rules. You see, I can't make them up as I go. So Paul is saying to Timothy and to us, We can't get into this thing called the Christian life and just make up the rules that we want as we go and think we're going to be successful and we're going to win. We've got to run the Christian race according to the rules that God has set down, according to the boundaries, according to the principles, if you will, that God has laid out into his word. That's how you and I are successful. Just like the athlete is successful, you and I will be successful as well. And we will endure and we will persevere but we've got to do it according to the rules. And then, the final example of endurance he gives here is the farmer. A farmer. Great need of perseverance and endurance. Like the athlete and the soldier. The farmer goes out and has to work hard. And that is very much emphasized here. Notice he says, the farmer who works hard. Hard. In the Greek language, that is very much emphasized. Paul wants Timothy to know, Timothy, if your ministry is going to bear fruit, just like a farmer's ministry is going to bear fruit, you have to work hard. God blesses hard work. So many times as Christians, we think we can just give little effort and then get great big harvest. And Paul's reminding Timothy, Timothy, you want a great big harvest in your ministry? Then you got to put forth a great big effort. Just like the farmer does. He wants a big crop, he's got to sow a big crop. There have been pastors that I've known through the years that basically don't study all week and get up on Sunday and with a lick and a prayer just... Hope that God shows up and blesses. And yet I think what God teaches is you study. You put the time in. You you pray. You prepare your heart. You do your job and then I'll show up and do the rest. But God blesses hard work and we know again that the farmer has to persevere he can do his part but then he's got to leave it up to the weather which is out of his control and so many other things which is why then also a farmer has to be very patient very patient farmers never reap in the same season that they sow Farmers are always sowing in one season and having to reap in another season. And so often as Christians, we, we look for immediate fruit from our labor. And, and Paul is reminding Timothy very, very, very few times in our ministry and in our Christian life are we going to sow in one season and see immediate fruit in that same season. That's why we need to persevere and endure. Because it might be months or maybe even years of working and laboring till we finally see something bearing fruit. I mean, think about it even as a parent. All the time that parents put into the raising of their children, and it might be years later that all of that hard work and effort in parenting pays off, but you don't necessarily see the fruit of it right away, just like the farmer. And so Paul is reminding us of these examples of endurance. Hopefully, he's thinking that one or two or maybe all three of these will just hit Timothy and he'll go, Oh, you're right. I'm not the only one as a minister that needs to persevere and endure. There are so many other people and occupations that that they need endurance and perseverance in their life too if they're going to be successful. Soldiers need it. Athletes need it. Farmers need it. We all need it. You see. And so that's where Paul is at here. And then he says about the farmer that if he works hard, he ought to have the first share of the crops. That one of the blessings of the farmer is that he'll get to taste the first fruits if again he perseveres and endures And works hard. And just like you and I, many times if we work hard and we serve and we minister to the Lord, we get a blessing that we could never give to others. We we take in way more than we could ever give out. You see. And so Paul is trying to encourage him with that as well. And then in verse 7, I love this. After Paul gives these great examples of endurance, of the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, he tells Timothy, think about what I'm saying and the Lord will give you understanding of all this. Think! Ponder! Consider! Meditate! Roll these things over and over and over again in your mind. Contemplate these things. Then he says the Lord will give you understanding greater insight, greater understanding into these things. I think that Paul is reminding all of us if we would do a little bit more thinking about biblical principles, we would gain a little bit more understanding from the Lord into these things. That's why it's important that we not just quickly read the Word of God or even study the Word of God, but not take the time to really sort of put our mind down on it and literally think about certain things for a period of time. That's very important that we do that. Do we do enough thinking about biblical principles so that God as we think about these things, as we meditate on them, as we contemplate and ponder those things, God then will give us, through His Holy Spirit who lives in us, greater understanding and greater insight as we think. I think that's one of the reasons why the Bible teaches us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. God wants us to use our minds, our brains, to think on these things. In fact, isn't that what Paul even said to the Philippians in Philippians 4? He says, Think on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Think. Think. We all need to take time to think about the principles of God's Word. When you and I do that, it will unlock for us even more than what we see on the surface. I've shared this before. My greatest insight into the scriptures is when I think about them. When I spend time meditating, contemplating, pondering, rolling it over in my mind, over and over and over again. It's amazing how it's like the longer you think about something, it's like the Holy Spirit then starts to show you this and reveal this, and all of a sudden you go, I've read that verse a hundred times and I never saw that. Boom! There's something new. That's what God will do for us when we take time to think about His Word. Then, He says in verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ. And really this word remember means to meditate on Christ. Think about Christ. Contemplate Christ. Ponder Christ. Why? Because if there's ever an example of somebody who had to endure and persevere for a worthy purpose and cause, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. I mean, you you think about even his whole earthly life. Here was God who became a man and limited himself to living in this human body on earth and all that he had to, to do, all that he had to put up with, and then you get to the end of his life where he had to endure all of that rejection and suffering and pain and torture and floggings and scourgings and crucifixion and all of that. You want to talk about somebody who was an example of endurance and perseverance. And yet I love what Paul said here to Timothy to try to inspire and encourage him again. He says, remember Jesus Christ. He's raised from the dead. Yes, he had to go through some horrible stuff. And like him, we will have to go through some pain as well. That's why Jesus kept warning his followers. You don't think that the disciples greater than his teacher, do you? So if the teacher or the master has to go through these things, do you not think that his followers will not have to go through these things and deal with them as well? Jesus, again, was always trying to prepare his followers that life is going to be hard at times and we're going to have to go through pain and suffering and rejection and persecution and all of these things. Be prepared. Be ready for it. Be strong. But, when we endure... Like Jesus. When we're willing to accept our cross as he accepted his cross, there's a crown that awaits us. Because the suffering and the pain and all of that that Jesus endured and persevered, that wasn't the end. That wasn't what defined him. What defined him was his resurrection from the dead. And this, very interestingly, too, is in the present tense in the Greek language. And the reason why that's significant here is what Paul's trying to remind Timothy of is, listen, the resurrection of Jesus being raised in the past at some point isn't some historical fact that just sits back here in the past it has very present application to you and I today. Just as it did to Timothy then, it has very present application to us today. It's like Paul is saying, you realize that Jesus Christ has conquered death, he's been raised from the dead, and he presently is with you, Timothy, with his resurrection power. Just as we could say that today. That just because Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago doesn't mean that what happened 2,000 years ago stayed there. By the present tense of the Greek language, it means that it started there, but its its effects continue up until the very present time. And that Jesus Christ, even now, is alive for us, and He's with us. He's here tonight because He's been raised from the dead. And He is with you and I. And he will help and enable us and empower us to endure and to persevere and to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, as Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 1. He also reminds us that he is, yes, a descendant of David. And that he fulfilled all the messianic prophecies, and that he was the one that was going to come and sit on the throne of David. And that, yes, he is. God, and 100% human. And he is here for us as our high priest. So he's given him the example of a soldier, an athlete, a farmer, and now Jesus Christ, and then finally he uses himself. He says in verse 9, For which I suffer hardship." Because notice in verse 8, I love this, Paul says, because the message about Jesus and his resurrection and the fulfillment of his messianic prophecy, because he is the Messiah of Israel, it's my gospel. I love that. It's like Paul said, hey, this news about Jesus Christ, I embraced it and it's been entrusted to me now to share with others. And that's the thing that Paul wants all of us to get. It's got to become my gospel, my story. I used to love to sing that old hymn. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. It's got to become mine. And that's what it was for Paul. And that's what he wanted it to be for Timothy. Timothy, this isn't just some story that somehow, again, has existed in history. This is alive. This is real. This is what it's all about, Timothy. Make it yours. Make it yours to not only internalize, make it yours to want to share with others. It's your gospel. And he says, because of this, I'm willing to suffer hardship. Paul says, to the point of imprisonment, as a criminal. You see, under Nero at this time, Christians were considered criminals. And, and very interestingly, the only other time this word criminal is used in the New Testament, it was used to describe the criminals that were crucified beside Jesus in the Gospels. Paul is saying, you realize that they look at us Christians as criminals. That's how the Roman Empire views us now. Because we love Jesus and we believe in Him. We're criminals. But Paul says, I don't care. Because he says, notice, maybe the chief promoter of the gospel is in prison. Which isn't it very interesting that, that when he was Saul, he was sort of the chief suppressor of the gospel. And now God so turned his life around that the chief suppressor of the gospel has become the chief promoter of the gospel. But Paul's trying to encourage Timothy he would say, even though I am in prison, God's message is not in prison. The Word of God is never locked down, no matter what. In fact, Paul told the Philippians, do you realize that I'm seeing people come to know the Lord here in prison? I'm able to witness to my guards and and to the people that I'm I'm around here. He says, it's amazing how even though I'm in prison, God's message is still going forth. I love Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. The Bible has been the most attacked book ever in human history. And yet after all of the attacks, it still goes on. It still stands. Its message still goes forth. Its message still transforms lives. And it will always be here. No one will ever be able to obliterate the word of God. And Paul's trying to encourage Timothy with that. Timothy, maybe you'll go through hardship like me. Maybe you'll be in prison too. But God will have you there for a purpose. And God's message is never in prison. Never locked down. It's always out there at work in people's lives. Don't think about the limiting circumstances sometimes of maybe your life. Or the circumstances that surround you as to how God can use you or be using you. God is greater than all that. We've got to focus on the greatness and transcendence of our God and not the circumstances. Let's go back real quickly to Sunday's message. All in chapter one of Mark that took place where? In the wilderness. In the wilderness, this remote, desolate, out-of-the-way place was where so much was happening for God. Because the limitless God is not bound by limiting difficult situations of life. That's what God wants to get across to us. No matter how constricted we may feel we are, how little maybe space we feel we have to operate in, God's message can sound out in ways we could never, ever imagine. And the more the enemy tries to put a a clamp on God's Word, the more God's Word will go forth. And then verse 10. In these last five minutes we have together I want to spend my last five minutes here because to me, this is the key verse of the whole passage. Where Paul says, So, Timothy, I endure. After the soldier, and after the athlete, and after the farmer, and after Jesus Christ, the greatest example, I'm throwing my hat in there too, Timothy. I hope maybe my life can inspire you because I'm enduring as well. I can be that example that maybe you go... Yeah, you know what? Look at all that Paul's going through. He's enduring. He's persevering. He's not giving up. He's not throwing in a towel. I'll endure as well. But notice very interestingly what Paul says. He doesn't say, I endure all things for God's sake. Which we would think that's the most logical thing, right? No. Paul says, I endure all these things that I've ever went through in my life for Christ for the sake of those chosen by God. Which, by the way, he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about Christians. Every time this word is used in the New Testament, it never refers to an unbeliever. It always refers to believers. Always. Which is one of the reasons you and I can get to a proper then interpretation of the Scriptures. Look at how the words are used in other places. You're saying, Paul's enduring all these things not for unbelievers, but for believers? Yeah. And notice he goes on to say that they too may obtain salvation in Christ Jesus and its eternal glory. Wait a minute, Jeff. Wait a minute. Hold up. Aren't Christians already saved? Yeah. But let's not forget, salvation is That word and that concept should never be limited to just that moment in time where a person accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and places their faith in Him. It's much broader than that. It means that justification... But it also refers to that whole period of our life after we are saved called sanctification, where God is working in us to become more like Jesus Christ and eventually culminates in our glorification where we are with Christ. It's all of that. And here in this context, what Paul is saying is, I'm enduring all these things for my fellow believers so that they can obtain the fullness and completeness of their salvation so that they can be inspired like you, Timothy, to hang in there and endure and persevere and see God use their life like He's used mine to bring Him glory and to bring so many other people into the kingdom and to inspire so many other believers to hang in there and not give up. It is a strange concept when you think about the saved in need of salvation. But that's exactly the principle here that Paul is saying. Yes, the saved need salvation at times. Even though we are saved, because remember too, the word salvation also means to be delivered, to be rescued. And throughout our life, this sanctification process that God has us all as Christians going through, we need to experience more of our salvation more of what God wanted our salvation to be. And that's what Paul's saying here. I endure all these things for those who are chosen by God. You see this illustrated. In just a couple minutes we have left. If you go back to the book of Philippians, to Philippians chapter 1, look at what Paul says here. From verse 12 to 20, And then I'll close. Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. He says to the Philippians, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, he's not writing to unbelievers, he's writing to his brothers and sisters, that my situation has actually turned out to advance the gospel. The whole Imperial Guard and everyone else knows that I am in prison for the sake of Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having confidence in the Lord because of my imprisonment, now more than ever dare to speak the word fearlessly. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do so from love because they know that I am placed here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely because they think they can cause trouble for me in my imprisonment. What is the result? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is being proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My confident hope is that I will in no way be ashamed, but that with complete boldness, even now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether I live or die. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this message, this exhortation, this encouragement to endurance. To be willing, God, to take our share of suffering. To persevere, to endure. To not always look for the easy road. But to look for the path, God, that you have chosen for us, no matter what that is. And to rise to the occasion. To be strong enough in you to be able to deal with it and handle it and navigate it. Because God, maybe what you have for us is something that will inspire others and motivate others just as it did in Paul's life. It may be that You want us to go through a difficult circumstance. A trial. A period of suffering. So that other Christians can look at our lives like like Timothy was able to look at Paul's life and be inspired and motivated to endure and persevere. And to realize that life is not always going to be easy and that there's going to be pain and tough times ahead. But with the Lord Jesus Christ... Raised from the dead, at our side always, with our hope with the Holy Spirit inside of us, His power pulsating through us. God, we can handle anything that life will bring. And we can bring you glory through it. and we can motivate and inspire others because of it. May that be what we think about God tonight as we allow this great passage of Scripture from Second Timothy to settle into our hearts and minds in the days ahead. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for being here. We'll see you next Wednesday.